Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey everyone, before we get started, I want to remind you that the Wondermind podcast is not the only touch point of content in the Wondermind world. At Wondermind, we believe in mental fitness or the practice of taking care of your mental health in small but impactful ways, whatever that looks like for you. But making your mental fitness a priority in your day-to-day is easier said than done, right? That's where the Wondermind newsletter comes in. Every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, you'll receive expert advice, candid convos, and exclusive content to shift your mindset delivered straight to your inbox. Go to Wondermind.com to sign up for free today. And now, back to the show. Hi, and welcome to the Business of Feelings. I'm Daniela Pearson, co-founder and co-CEO of Wondermind, the first-of-its-kind mental fitness ecosystem focused on breaking the stigma surrounding mental health. In this weekly podcast, I sit down with those who have risen the ranks of the business world in a range of industries and discuss something that's often not talked about, their feelings. As an entrepreneur myself with a history of mental health struggles, I know firsthand how important it is to have these conversations and let others know that they are not alone. We all have our own mental health journeys, and it's time we talk about them. Hi, Lucy. How are you doing today? Doing well. I miss you, but uh, I'm sure we'll see each other soon. Yeah, yeah. You're coming to New York this week, and you're usually based in Miami, correct? Well, I might cancel New York, but correct for now. Oh, okay. But you're usually based in Miami. Do you do a lot of traveling for work, or are you basically just always in the sunshine? Um, I do a lot of traveling for work. I'm like in between Miami, New York, and LA pretty consistently. Wow. Okay. So let's talk about work. So you are a very impressive woman. Everyone I know knows about you and what you've done and accomplished. And so I would love for you to give just like a two-second overview on who you are, what you do, what you've done. And then if you leave anything out, I will brag about it for you. (laughs) Okay. Let's see. I am an engineer designer by trade. I'm a founder also. I'm currently founding my second company. My first company, Scale AI, we provided the best machine learning data to other companies really and worked everywhere from like NLP to self-driving cars. And then I started a venture fund back in capital. We did early stage investing and that became one of the best performing angel 
list funds for the vintage year 2019. And now I am currently founding Passes, which is a Web3 creator economy platform where we want to help creators make more money and really own their fans and own their content. So um, just raised $8 million for that a few months ago, and it's going well so far. So excited about that. And... Other people know me as like the Barry's Bootcamp addict. Like some people really only know me for um, going 20 miles per hour on a treadmill. And keywords treadmill. I can't run that in real life. That is a lot of stuff that you've done and you are only 28 years old. How does it feel to have that kind of bio and be so young? Do you sit with that success and you feel like you've earned it? Is there any imposter syndrome? How, how have the last few years felt for you with this dramatic change? I definitely think it's felt very surreal. I think success is always a mix of hard work and luck. So like, do I think I deserve it to the full degree that I have? Like there are obviously harder working people out there. I think like, I'm a pretty hard worker, but like there are harder working people. That's just fact. I think I've just been both very lucky in the sense of like, I've hit good ideas and I was born with like a specific set of traits that make me have a higher chance at success. I was also told by a psychic as born under a lucky star and everything I touch turns to gold. I've actually <laughs> been told this by three separate psychics who didn't know who I was or that I was about to have a call with them. So maybe it's just the fate and universe deciding this for me. <laughs> wow, that that's crazy. Okay, so I wanted you on this podcast because you are so humble. You are so grounded, so down to earth compared to what the headlines and everything say. You know, I don't want to embarrass you, but you were on the Forbes richest self-made woman's list with a net worth of over $400 million. Again, you give off this incredible relaxed and comfortable aura that like you don't feel as if you're better than anybody when, you know, someone in your position definitely could. And then you also shared some stuff with me. And so do you mind talking about like your childhood and the early years of Scale AI and becoming an entrepreneur and what that process was like, not only in the business sense, like what did you do to actually become this centi-millionaire, which I now know is a word, but also what were you feeling inside during that entire process? Yeah, honestly, I think I've manifested my entire life. But I think like this probably shows the like working hard part um, growing up. I was never like really the cool kid. And I had parents who didn't fully believe in me. Like I was told I couldn't be an engineer amongst many other things. So I was always like very entrepreneurial growing up. Like I got sent to the principal's office for trying to make money selling Pokemon cards, colored pencils, et cetera, in school. Because <laughs> turns out you can't do that. But um, yeah, then I learned how to make money on the internet. Like I remember playing Neopets and realizing that it was possible to cheat in the games and get Neo points, rare pets, rare items, and sell them for real dollars. So I went to like 
Home Depot, got a Visa debit card and opened up a PayPal account with a Visa debit card and then started learning how to code to essentially make these bots that would like buy rare items in shops for me. And I would take these and sell it on gaming forums for real dollars. And then like, then I could use the real dollars to spend on other things like eBay, expected PayPal. And like, that was a lot of fun. And then just got into making other websites. And then I went to college and started going to hackathons. And at hackathons, I realized that startups existed and there was more to tech than creating internet marketing tools and like bots or games. So um, started making like actual viable apps that could be startups if I like, you know, pursued them after the hackathon. But I got this reputation for creating like a lot of winning projects. And the projects won based off of like design and like, Eng difficulty and like product marketability. Really, honestly, I just figured out the hack was create an iOS app, make it pretty, and boom, you'd win. So I just kept on doing that several times. And through that, um, I got the Teal Fellowship because I had like made a reputation for myself in this scene. And then did the Teal Fellowship and ended up during a Teal Fellowship working at Quora and then Snap, where I became the first female product designer at Snap. There, I worked on some really cool projects like localized stories, um, which is like the most similar thing to Snap Maps, I'd say now, group chat, etc. And then one day decided I want to start a company again. So I met this Uber driver and this Uber driver was like, oh, you should look at Paige Craig. He's an angel investor in LA. He coined the term Silicon Beach. I was like, oh, that's dope. So I go to my Twitter and look him up. He's already following me. I slide in his DMs. I'm like, hey, I'm thinking about leaving Snap and starting a company. And then at the same time, I interview for Y Combinator and get in. And this guy wants to put in a million dollars. I say no, but then we uh, go out and build a company. So that's where Scale AI first started, where essentially like we were an API for humans. I knew it'd go viral because of like just the controversial tagline of it all. And it did. And Excel reached out. I was like, hey, we want to offer you a Series A. I was like, okay, cool. That'd be great. Um, We took it and then we ran with it. And there was a lot of like experimentation and pivoting during it. Like we thought that it was going to be most popular for phone calls. So we thought we were going to take over like the phone call BPO industry. And when Cruise became our first self-driving car customer, we decided to double down on it. During the process of leaving Scale AI, what was your mindset and what were the emotions that you went through on a daily basis? And how do you feel now looking back at those moments? I mean, obviously I was sad because it was my baby, right? But I was definitely extremely unhappy for like several months, like leading up to it. Like I remember I even chatted with like our venture partner about it. So yeah, I think it's like time and it felt like very mutual timing wise. Mm, Got it. But so now looking back, do you feel like it was hard, but it led you now to this point? And so you appreciate, you know, the lessons you learned? Oh, I'm definitely super happy about it. Like I think I've learned a lot of lessons that I'm taking now to my new company, just like through the building phase. I think that like, I'm so happy to be able to, I guess, afford being able to work on consumer now, because with that company, like I think enterprise is just like easier to figure out and brute force your way to success. And 
we did that, but like, it's not the most fun thing in the world. And now I'm like, okay, I have like, you know, my success from that. I have like money from investing. And now I'm like, comfortable and I can really go after something that I find enjoyable and fun. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening, and I hope you're enjoying the podcast. I wanted to tell you about one of my favorite parts of our new launch, which is the Wondermind website. No matter what you're feeling, whether it's happy, sad, angry, anxious, stuck, envious, or lonely, or all of the above, Wondermind.com has something for you. Maybe you're trying to figure out a way to effectively communicate your anger, or you want to squash those negative, intrusive thoughts, or learn to sit with your sadness. Go to Wondermind.com, an expert-backed site dedicated to all things mental fitness. Here you can filter our content by feels to find advice that's most helpful to you no matter what you're going through. Check out Wondermind.com to access curated content for any and every emotion and lean into what you're feeling. And now back to the show. Before we go into that enjoyable and fun company that I'm so excited to talk about, you are somebody that even though we only spent a few days together at this Marie Claire trip, you several times would say, you know, okay, I'm bored. And you told me you get bored very easily. And, you know, it has to do with, you know, the activity you're doing, or now I guess you just said the company that you were at. And so what do you think fuels like that kind of feeling? Is it that you get this high adrenaline when you are excited about something and then once that fades away, then you want to move on to the next thing? Is that kind of the serial entrepreneur in you? Yes and no, because like I'm really hoping that I don't like just get bored of this company and I've like really made sure that A, there's like tons of different products to build that I think are fun to build and that I get to work with my friends and I don't really get bored when I'm spending time with my friends as long as I'm like constantly using my brain. Like the reason I couldn't retire was because I felt like even though I was having a time of my life experiencing the world. Like I love traveling. I love hiking, seeing beautiful views. Like I trained myself to like skydive, scuba dive, and just did a bunch of things. I just like, I felt like my brain cells were dying. <laughs> like I was definitely not as good of an engineer, designer, et cetera. And like wasn't thinking hard on product strategy. So I think that like as long as there's a challenge in the way, I will like not be bored. And I made sure like, and this, this is just more fun. Like I get to work directly with my friends. Got it. So Lucy, tell us about your new company passes and what it does. 
So we're really tackling the creator economy. We want to be the best platform for creators to monetize with their super fans. So uh, we really want to give creators a chance to make more money, but also really have ownership of their fans. We're Web3 based and we want to provide utility to NFTs themselves. So depending on what NFTs you own, it essentially unlocks you access to a super fan club uh, where you get unlockable posts, video content. But I think the cool thing is that you have like one-to-one intimacy with your favorite creators. That's amazing. And so how did you come up with this idea? Who is on your team right now? And how long did it take you from concept to launch? So I got this idea just talking to a bunch of my friends and realizing like how stressed they were all the time. Like a lot of friends of mine, um, they're like one violation away from being banned on their main platform forever because they had copyright music playing in the background of a video or they said a swear word on stream by accident. And that's really stressful when like a site like YouTube or Twitch is your main income source. So I wanted to integrate Web3 technologies because of that. And then I just saw how how much friends are making on paid content platforms, whether it was like Fan House, OnlyFans, FanFix. And I realized how broken all these platforms are. So I kind of combined these two concepts to create like what I have today. It took about six months to go from like idea to launch. Honestly, it should have only taken two months. At the four month mark, we threw out all the code and rewrote it from scratch. And who's on my team, I would say it's just like a lot of MIT and Carnegie Mellon people. (laughs) That's awesome. And you said that you get to work with your friends. And so were they your friends first or um, are you referring to the creators who are on your platform? So I'm referring to the creators on my platform because I'm really building a product for them. Got it. That That's awesome. Yeah, I got to um, see you interact with many people who are probably creators at Art Basel. <laughs> I'd love to ask you, you know, for somebody who looks you up, who maybe follows you on Instagram or Twitter, or has seen the profiles on you and thinks, you know, wow, she has the perfect life. What would you say to those people in response to that? Um, I would say that I am genuinely very, very happy nowadays, but I think a lot of it is that like, I don't really have insecurities because if I, for example, like I do have a lot of online haters, I think I'm a polarizing personality, at least on the internet. In person, I have very warm energy, like you said, but online, I like saying controversial things and I'm not stupid. Like controversial things is what gets you more followers and gets the likes, the retweets, which is like very necessary for my current company, or at least understanding how it works. But I would say like, if you really just are more Zen and you don't care what anyone thinks about you and you just work towards your goals, you will be very happy in your life. Like back when I was insecure, I didn't really have many friends. And I think that was because like my energy was very different versus now I'm so, so happy all the time. Um, Like no online hate comment can really get to me. That's awesome. So tell me, because when you said to me when we first met, you know, like, I'm just always so happy. I was a little envious because that is not always how I feel. And so tell me about a time when you didn't feel happy and you felt like things were crashing down or you felt, you know, hurt or something in your entrepreneurial journey. 
Yeah, I think when I first dropped out of the Teal Fellowship, my parents were really upset at me. I always love pissing them off. Like I did it to piss them off. Part of it, I know, immature. I was an immature kid. Um, still a little immature. Uh, they just like cut me off from everything. Like stop talking to me, all communication. Um, they were cutting me off off health insurance. And that hurt because it was like two years and the love felt very, mm. very conditional. Um, and until like I saw hints of success that they came back and they're like, oh, we're so proud of you. I mean, nowadays I look at it and I'm like, I think I hurt them by dropping out and like trying to pursue something crazy because they believed that education was the path to success in life because education gave them everything they had in life. And it was a sign of disrespect that they gave up everything for me to have a better life. And I like threw that away by throwing away my education. Hmm. And do you think that had to do with their backgrounds as immigrants? For sure. Yep. Like they were immigrants. They didn't grow up like with really anything. And they actually were able to come to America because of like some test where they tested high enough and they could study in America. So then they came here and they like made a better life for themselves. A lot of people, including myself, you know, didn't have the most supportive parents in the beginning because, you know, your parents want what's best for you. And you saying, hey, I'm going to be a one in a million person that does X, Y, Z is like very scary. Yeah. And so um, how is your relationship with them now and how have other relationships in your life evolved with people who knew you before you were mega successful and who know you now? I think that my relationships with them now, it's definitely much better. Like I understand where they were coming from. Um, we never talked about it, but like I've at least sold that story to myself in my head to like forgive every single step of the path. I, I love them. They love me. And then with my friends, I have a lot of new friends. I have old friends. Um, I keep like a very small handful of people close to me, but I think because I'm so overly friendly, a lot of people think they're close to me when they're not, which I'm worried about hurting people. Like there's going to be a time I think when they figure out like, oh, I'm not in Lucy's top five, even though I think I'm Lucy's top mm. five. And since becoming successful, I obviously think that more people want to be my friend and I know it and I'm so like open to it, but I definitely box people in categories and I don't think people will realize where they are boxed. Got it. And so when you say you put people in categories, how would you feel if you heard from someone that you were close to or not close to that they put you in a category? Would you be okay with that? I'd be okay with it because I believe that like everyone like should be more careful and who they let really close into their lives and they should have set certain expectations. Like there are people where I'm like, I love them and I adore them, but if they hurt me, I'm not going to be surprised. Mm -hmm. Got it. Yeah, that's, that's unfortunate. And I'm very surprised by your candor and your honesty on, you know, saying like, yeah, if I put you in a box, you can put me in a box. Uh, we're getting close to time here. I just wanted to ask, what would you say to 10-year-old Lucy who is selling things at school, hacking her way through the internet? What would you tell her if you had to say one piece of advice? I would honestly tell her to just stop caring so much about what other people think of you right now. It's okay that like you don't have friends, you're like 
this is actually good because you're more focused on educating yourself on things that are going to make your future so, so wonderful. I I do think that like because of my childhood, I just had more time to be a nerd. If my parents let me do anything I wanted, I think I would either like be an athlete or have no brain cells left. (laughs) I also did not have a lot of friends growing up, but I was not, you know, uh, making the world's first Twitter bot or building websites. It was basically just like, you know, listening to Taylor Swift songs. So that's awesome. And now you have so many friends and you're so bubbly. And so that that's why it's hard for me to believe that because for me, I since I didn't really have a lot of friends growing up, I'm very guarded. And it seems like you're also guarded, but in a way where you still present yourself as open and nice. Last question. What is something you do for yourself every single day that helps your mental health and your mental fitness? Oh, I do various boot camp twice a day. <laughs> it's just fun. It's like waking up, you go to a club and you're like, you know, lifting weights, but you're also going like, like, I literally will dance with weights on my shoulders. Oh my gosh. So you get this like extreme high and like so much hype. Oh, do you extreme ever, high. <laughs> do, do you ever get like an extreme low then? Or do you usually stay pretty neutral? Um, no, when I'm neutral, that's when I'm low. Like I'll just be like, uh, like I'm like just feeling so, so today, but no extreme lows. Like I used to get them in high school. I think it was more circumstantial though. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I said that that was the last question and it kind of was, but if you could be saying anything to the people listening who idolize what you've done in the business world and how unconventional your path has been, what is one piece of advice that you would share about how they can do what you did? Well, I mean, I think you should just be technical. It's really useful to learn a technical skill, whether it's like coding or designing. But outside of that, I would say nothing is as much of a risk as it feels like. Like you quit that job. If you were doing well at that job, you could probably get that job back or find another job because of good reference checks, et cetera. Uh, If you like drop out of college, like you can always go back to college. In fact, you might have learned enough or you could get a job instead of going back to college. I think that a lot of people feel like these very large decisions are larger risks than they actually are. Got it. So maybe just like take the leap. Yeah, take the leap. I love that. Well, on that note, thank you so much, Lucy, for being on the Business of Feelings and sharing, you know, your success story and the feelings behind your astronomical rise to success. So thank you. And I'm really happy to call you a friend. Oh, I love you, too. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. This is fun. Well, that's it for this week's episode of the Business of Feelings. Thank you for joining me today. I really hope this episode was helpful for you in some way. Whether you learned something new, became inspired to prioritize your own mental fitness, or just felt a little less alone about being a human who has feelings in this world. Like we all do. Don't forget to subscribe to The Business of Feelings on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you want access to more mental fitness content, make sure to check out wondermind.com or sign up for our tri-weekly newsletter. I'll see you next time when we're back with another great guest being open and honest about their feelings as they build their empires. 
Our theme song is written and produced by John Levine, and The Business of Feelings is produced by Wondermind and Big Din Productions. Thanks for listening. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.